Hi, this is Tia Sarkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it becomes a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this epic more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Twin Suns Transmission. I'm your host, Eric Pfeiffer, joined as always by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode 175, and on this episode, we are going to be talking about Order 66, one of the most pivotal moments in all of Star Wars, and I think it's going to be a good one. Um, We don't have any news for everybody this week. Unfortunately, it's been kind of a slow news week, but Jesse... I want to talk a little bit to another new member of the TSO team, Celine. Celine, thank you so much for joining us officially on Twin Suns Outpost. It is my absolute pleasure to uh, welcome you officially on Twin Suns Transmission. Thank you for having me, and thank you for welcoming me to the team. Oh yeah, it's awesome. I'm, I'm really happy that you're here. Now, what exactly are you going to be doing for Twin Suns? Uh, so I'm going to be writing some articles, some mostly opinion pieces on Star Wars. Okay, very cool. Yeah, I think the first one's scheduled to be out in the middle of the month. And so essentially what I want to do here right now is just kind of get people to know you a little bit more. So tell us about how you got into Star Wars. Well, I got into it um, right before the Clone Wars started. Um, I borrowed all the movies from my neighbor and ended up watching them all in like a week. Oh, wow. And uh, I ended up having this kind of weird, interesting experience where um, I watched Revenge of the Sith when my mom was pregnant, which no one warned me about that has a very bad ending for Padme, (laughs) who was pregnant. Oh, yikes. Um, So I kind of freaked out the first time I watched it. And I was like, oh my gosh, something's going to happen to my mom. And so I made my grandma, who I was staying with, call her and like warn her. And that night, she actually ended up going to the hospital. And they said that if she had like gone back to sleep, she just wouldn't have woken back up because there was internal bleeding. And so basically, I felt like Star Wars kind of saved my mom. Wow. So that was my first experience with it. And ever since then, I was just obsessed with it because I immediately had this huge emotional connection to it. Yeah, Revenge of the Sith is actually my favorite Star Wars movie. I know like everyone has their own favorites, but to me, Revenge of the Sith, I was 15 when that came out and I went to the theater. I saw it. I think that one I saw five times. And I liked how it connected the original trilogy with the prequel trilogy. Like, I'm a huge fan of Resolution. And so to have the two trilogies finally connect, I thought that was awesome. So that's really cool. Now, do you have a favorite character? Well, it's Padme. Padme? <laughs> you can probably guess that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So have you read any of, like, the, the Padme books or anything? 
Um, I actually have not yet. I own the first one, um, but I haven't read it yet. I was trying to read the uh, the Journey to the Rise of Skywalker books first, mm. so before leading up to the Rise of Skywalker. So I didn't have a chance to read those yet. I'm still playing catch up. Yeah. Those books are so great, and if you love Padme, then fits her character so, so much. I, I wasn't even that big of a Padme fan to begin with, and now I'm like, I feel like she's one of my favorite characters. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I really do want to read them to get more of an insight into um, how they're writing Padme in the new canon. Because I used to be really into the EU, but that's so different than what we have now. Yeah. Yeah, and some people are really upset that obviously, you know, the EU is considered legends, you know, the the stories aren't canon right now, but my favorite thing about being a collector is that I can go downstairs and I have I have the expanded universe downstairs, you know? So, even though the story is not canon, it's still something that I can love and I can read whenever I want, you know? Yeah, I wish I'd kept my expanded universe books, but I didn't. Oh, no. Now now I want them again, but I don't have them. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to go back and, and slowly reacquire them. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited to see some of the articles that you've got coming out. And um, I'm, I know that you really like to do a lot of pieces and you're a huge uh, fan of the females in Star Wars. And, and Jesse and Amanda have uh, started up this show called Space Buns, which is... I think gonna gonna do very well um and so I would like to get you on space buns at some point at least as a guest to to kind of talk about some of the females in Star Wars um and I think I think you'd be really good at that oh yeah I mean I haven't we haven't talked about it yet but I'm pretty much planning on it (laughs) I think I really want to well Celine thank you so much for joining us we're really excited to have you on the team and um we'll be looking forward to your first article All right, thank you. I'm very excited for Celine's article, and hopefully you guys are enjoying all of these people that we've been bringing on and getting to know them a little bit more. But Jesse, I think it's that time. Let's begin our discussion on Order 66. Now, I know that this happens during Episode 3, and Episode 3 is your least watched film because of all the sadness in it but um it plays a major role in the whole film so i don't i I don't know when you first saw episode three but what were your what were your reactions to it when i first saw it yeah i don't remember honestly my initial reaction to it because the way I was kind of introduced to Star Wars and like my childhood was my cousin Tim, who just we basically had them on in the background, the like constantly when we were playing. So I don't like as a kid, honestly, ever remember sitting down and like paying attention for the whole thing. It was just something that was always on in the background. I, I like lived at their house. I like they watched me during the day while my parents were at work. It was just always on. We had the figures. We played with the lightsabers. But like when I was a kid, I don't remember fully sitting down and like experiencing it in that way, if that makes sense. But I remember seeing it again when you reintroduced it to me in the dorms at Elmhurst and just like I don't remember if I cried in front of you because we were still like newly (laughs) friends 
And I usually don't do that. But I remember just like sitting there in awe and being like, oh my God, this is horrible. This is so painful to yeah. watch mm-hmm. and experience. Yeah. That's all I really genuinely remember about kind of my initial reaction, I guess. And it's like this big, you know, event that happens in the galaxy and, and with Yoda obviously putting his hand over his heart and dropping his cane, you know, that it, it obviously symbolizes that this could be felt, you know, across the galaxy. And we get more instances of Order 66 and we'll talk about those um, and we'll obviously give spoiler warnings if you don't want to be spoiled from certain books and games and things like that. But this was a major moment. This this is the Great Jedi Purge, Jesse, which takes place uh, in 19 BBY, which is actually an old way of uh, keeping track of dates in Star Wars now. If you look at some of the newer books out there, like the, the uh, Rise of Skywalker visual guide, they refer to Starkiller Incident as sort of like year zero or whatever instead of the battle of yavin so order 66 is 53 bsi before star killer incident or 19 bby before the battle of yavin so um this is you know the great jedi purge as they refer to it as and you know for me my first reactions um you know i was 15 when episode 3 came out and I knew that all the Jedi had to die somehow, you know, because we have all these Jedi during the prequels, and then it's down to Obi-Wan, Yoda, and Luke in episodes 4, 5, and 6. And so, in my mind, I kind of went in knowing that, oh my gosh, there's going to be a lot of people dead, (laughs) you know? (laughs) But this is the end. This is the end, and and they showed obviously the major ones like Plo Koon getting shot down. They showed Stasa Lee getting shot down on Salukamai. They showed who else did they show? Ayla Sakura and uh, Kiadi Mundi. Obviously, Cody turns on Obi Wan. Um, and this is something Jesse that has been. It was a plot from before the war even started. And they expand on that a lot with these chips that the clones have in their head. So I guess what I want to do now is kind of talk about different points of view. You know, maybe from the clones, maybe from the Jedi, maybe from other characters that, you know, were around during the time, but aren't necessarily a a Jedi that got killed or something like that. So let's talk about the point of view of the clones, right? So this is something that, you know, you have these chips that were unwillingly put into your head when you're a very young, you know, embryo or whatever you are. And some of these clones malfunctioned, right? Remember Tup? Yep. So Tup actually turned on his Jedi before Order 66 was given. And it they really become kind of ruthless during Order 66. And this is like a galaxy-wide thing. So from the clone's point of view... I mean, how do you think that this just like went down in your head with everything that we saw in Clone Wars and how Rex handled it versus other clones handled it? It's really scary when you think about it. And I think as as sad as it is for, you know, the Jedi and the galaxy as a whole, I think the clones make me the saddest to think about, Um, especially how much we got to know them through Clone Wars and their individual personalities and how close they were to the Jedi and how, you know, 
full gung-ho they were, most of them were, to be a part of this cause that they never volunteered to be a part of. So it's it's just incredibly sad to me. This is where it really gets my heart, is when you think about the clones. I feel like, what's the question? What's my general feeling? <laughs> yeah, I mean, from the clones' point I of view... I forgot the question. <laughs> obviously, the... <laughs> You know, the clones have no choice in the matter, right? right. Because they were just programmed, essentially, from a, a young age, a very young age. But it seems like like Rex, you know, he, he... We talked a little bit about this in our Clone Wars discussion, but he sort of was fighting that urge or that program. So from, like, the clones' point of view, obviously they can't help it, but, like, what does this do to the galaxy? And the clones like viewpoint you know if we're talking about post you know order 66 what it does to the clones i mean it it kind of breaks them down into exactly what they were fighting against if you think about it 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 flips a switch in their brain that takes away their choices and it takes away their own agency and free will much like the droids that they've been fighting against this whole time so they've been pretty much just taken you know down into you know their enemy they've been turned into their own enemy they are now the droids that are fighting against their free will um and are being controlled yeah and obviously we we get some clones like fives that sort of starts to figure out what the issue is you know he figures out that hey these were implanted into us these you know these inhibitor chips Maybe we should do a little bit more research so that something bad doesn't happen like something happened with Tup. And I think, you know, we see some of the clones that had their chips taken out. Wolf, Gregor, Rex. And it's all thanks to Fives. You know, everything that happened is thanks to Fives and his sort of, well, Ahsoka for Rex. But for it Rex, was, yeah. It, it, was through, it was through that information that was in R7 that Ahsoka accessed on fives and the inhibitor chip. So I would still argue that it was, you know, fives had a big part to play. I, but look how hard he had to fight to even get it to be recognized and how scary it was to kind of watch the government kind of work against them and just shove it under the rug and, you know, kind of take them back down again, talking about, you know, how much, you know, the world puts a value on a clone versus a droid. Like, they just did not have the support to, even by the Jedi Order, honestly, to get that fully investigated, even though they fought so hard. And Rex even, you know, he makes a promise to Fives that he's going to look into it. And then here we are, and it's too late. Because obviously they have more going on in the galaxy than that. But it just kind of shows the value that, the at least the government or the the senate at least puts on i mean even taking palpatine out of it because we all know it's palpatine you know manipulating everything from the beginning but taking palpatine aside just the general what's the word i'm looking for like the just the general um i can't find the word i'm looking for disregard the general disregard that the probably the galaxy at large and the senate even has for the lives of the clone and they and they do see them as expendable even if the jedi really see them that way yeah they're, they're a product of the government basically 
Yeah, and they cover that in the Clone Wars too when they talk about you know the the creation of more clones and and you know demilitarizing the the government of the republic and things like that and and they even say you know oh the clones they were bred for just that purpose you know going out and fighting for the republic and and you know essentially laying down their lives you know and that's unfair it really is unfair in some of the books we get a little bit more information on this and if you have not read force collector and don't want to be spoiled on anything in the book I would uh, maybe mute us for a couple minutes, but this book really gave us a little bit more info, Jesse, on not only the creation of the clones and who actually ultimately placed that order, but also the way that kind of the galaxy viewed them. So let's talk a little bit about Sifo Dyas. Now, obviously that we know that in episode two, Obi-Wan, when he's at Kamino and he's talking back to, you know, the Jedi Council reporting his findings, he says that the creation of the clone army was created by, or the order was placed by sifo at the request of the Jedi Council almost 10 years ago. And the Jedi have no knowledge of this. And so if it was 10 years prior to episode two, that would be around the time of episode one. So around that time, this order for a clone army for the Republic was placed. And it was legit placed by sifo as we find out in Force Collector. Um, and I think that was a big piece of information because up until that point, I feel like a lot of us felt as though Dooku acting as sifo was the one that placed the order. Yeah. I feel like I definitely did. I felt like sifo name was just being used as, you know, a way to distract from what was really going on. So that was a big shock. And I feel like we just keep getting more pieces of that, of that story kind of as we go on through through the books and the, um, the tele- what am I saying? The television shows, the art, like Rebels and such, like we've gotten now Ahsoka's side of Order 66 and Kanan Jarrus's side of Order 66. We uh, All of these additions to the narrative that have been coming out lately that are giving us all these other points of view that are really yeah. eye-opening. Well, the main character, his name is Carr in Force Collector, and he he finds this message that sifo left in like a locker on Obadiah, I believe. And that's just one of the many places that Carr goes. And I, I highly recommend, uh, you know, taking a look at that book and, and learning more about that message. I had a notebook that I lost um, with all my notes that I was going to bring to this podcast. So unfortunately, I don't have everything here that I was going to say. But earlier on in that book, he Carr goes to Utapau and he actually meets up with i can't remember jesse i don't know maybe you remember it's a relative of a clone i don't know if it's a son or like a grandson or something um, of a clone yeah and they you know just from the the general galaxy's perspective because no one really knows that order 66 happened like in like galaxy wide if you're not a part of the war you have the clones turning on the jedi because the jedi are traitors to the republic not because right. Order 66 happened. So from the general galaxy's outlook, the Jedi are evil. And, you know, they view the Jedi in this negative way. And that goes down from generation to generation. So, I don't know. It's interesting how the Jedi kind of bounce back from that. 
you know, I guess there's sort of myths at that point as we continue on in the galaxy. But I think for a big part of the galaxy, especially right after episode three, most people think the Jedi are traitors to the Republic. Right. I feel like when I was rewatching, you know, Revenge of the Sith, like you said, I don't watch it very often. And even when I do, sometimes I try not to pay too close of attention because it literally kills me. But I, I feel like I was obviously was paying very, very close attention this time around. And I, when you sit and you watch just the, there's witness, sorry, not very many witnesses to what's really going on. If you think about it, the only person who we truly see as like a full on witness to that has, you know, absolutely no veil, if you will, uh, that I don't, I'm not speaking in a way that makes sense have something I'm trying to say and I know it makes sense but my words are not coming out the way I want them to um the only person we really see not be hoodwinked by what's going on is Bail Organa right because he is a witness of these clones just kind of gunning down this young little Jedi and he just his immediate reaction his gut reaction is something's not right here I'm gonna go see what Jedi I can that are still left that I can rescue and tell them not to come back here um so if you think about it it's just this small group of people probably who have been watching you know people like Bail Organa and um probably Mon Mothma who have been watching and, and been wary of Palpatine having these emergency powers and are all sitting around wondering how they're gonna you know get back to the point where we no longer have just one supreme chancellor forever and it was just very obvious to just probably a small group of people because for everyone else if you just make this huge announcement and you watch you know clones come in and destroy what are supposed to be your peacekeepers and you're basically told hey you were never safe everything you ever knew was a lie and only this only the empire only under the empire can can keep you safe and these clone figures who you have always fought on your side are now you know standing up and and rebelling against their jedi like i can kind of see how people would trust that if that makes sense and then you just have these very few people who are you know woke if you will in the senate who have to keep quiet or be banished so I can kind of see how I kind of thought more about how we could genuinely have gotten to the place where we believed Palpatine's scheme, you know, where the, the greater galaxy just accepts the Jedi betrayal, if that makes sense. Yeah. And my, I really like that you talked a little bit about Bail Organa and how he went reaching out to some of these other Jedi to kind of, you know, round up as many of them as he could. And the fact that they went back to broke into the temple and put out that signal to warn all surviving Jedi to stay away. And, and that got me thinking as you were talking, um, if my memory serves me right, I believe it was at the beginning of A New Dawn, the book about Kanan and Hera where I think the first chapter, it's of Caleb Doom, right? That's that's Kanan's real name. Caleb mm-hmm. Doom was, was like studying in a classroom setting, uh, being taught by Obi-Wan Kenobi, I believe. And um, they were talking about this signal, this signal to, you know, bring everybody back to 
the temple to bring everybody back to Coruscant, to bring everybody back to the Jedi Temple. And it was Caleb Doom's idea, or at least his suggestion, to maybe figure out a way to keep all the Jedi to stay away in case of an emergency. And so, at least if that's my memory serving me right, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Yeah, that's cool. I I didn't remember that. Yeah, I think it's like the very first chapter. But, you know, speaking of Kanan, obviously his story with what happened in Order 66, you know, essentially seeing his master, Depa Bilaba, get gunned down in front of him, and her last words to him are, run, and he's running for his life after physically seeing his master shot by these clones, and then coming in contact with more later. I mean, you can't blame Kanan for the way that he acted upon first seeing Rex, Wolf, and Gregor in Rebels. Right, especially to have cut himself off from the greater galaxy and the politics of everything just to keep him his own self in hiding and for that to be his first, like, to, to even come across them in the wild was, like, something that was just never supposed to ever happen. So, yeah, it, it, I, could, I could see how someone would have a gut reaction uh, to that. <laughs> yeah. Now, did you read, I know there's a Kanan comic book. Did you read that one? A long time ago, I did. Okay. Do you recall, like, was this part of that that comic? Yes, there's, you can see, I wish I had read it recently, but you you see, you know, that whole interaction um, with him and Depa Balaba getting attacked, and it's all kind of like, it like goes through flashbacks. If I'm thinking of the right comps, it's basically your, Kanan is like, is injured and he's like flashing back in his in his mind while he's in like this back to tank to to order 66 basically gotcha yeah that that sounds actually very similar to jedi fallen order and if you have not finished the game and want to be completely surprised uh again maybe mute us for a couple minutes but essentially in jedi fallen order you know, this our main character, Cal Kestis, was a Jedi at, at the time of the heyday of the Republic. His master was Jaro Topal, I believe his name was, uh, who was a Lasat and Cal Kestis's master. And they're on a ship during Order 66, and Cal is essentially remembering back to what happened during Order 66, and the clones turn on his master, and and I can't remember if Cal gives his master his lightsaber or, or something like that, but Cal loses his lightsaber and he's running through and then he can see his master from far away get killed and, and things like that. And so it really obviously, you know, creates a big sore spot in his heart, you know, watching all of that with Order 66. And it's it really gave me the emotions, you know, just like Episode 3 did mm-hmm. because you see all these characters that you are completely enveloped in because they've been a, such a huge part of Star Wars for years. You know, even even Plo Koon. If you've never seen Episode 3 and you watch the Clone Wars all the way through and, and learn about Plo Koon and how he found Ahsoka and then you see him just get gunned down in a ship by a clone, like, that sucks. Yeah. It's it's really just kind of the, the anti-hope version of the story because star wars is so centered around hope and and, sh- and shows you the power of of what a small group of people can do with with a with a deep sense of hope 
But basically what Palpatine did through Order 66 is he took away the hope of all those survivors, especially the young people like Kanan and Cal, to watch your master be taken over by the very people you fought side by side with and then have to go into hiding. Just imagine what a sense of hopelessness and finality that seem that would seem like to like that would be enough to keep anyone in hiding and to to potentially be in hiding for the rest of their lives and never try to rise up again so it's actually amazing that we see these stories of people who you know move past we saw it through a new dawn we see how much Kanan struggles with the idea of joining Hera and helping the resistance because it's he's basically lost hope for the galaxy through order 66 yep and i think that's a a testament to you know kanan's ability to grow because as time goes on kanan and rex actually develop a, a pretty good friendship you know it's a little rocky at the start but it grows into a friendship where each of the other one is willing to risk their lives for their friend you know what i mean so I think it really right. it really does show Kanan's ability to grow. And despite the fact that these clones were probably involved in many of Kanan's nightmares, he yeah. was able to get over it. So that's awesome. Now, one thing that uh, Amanda had asked me actually to kind of theorize or hypothesize on this show was what about the clones like... Uh, Cut Laquane, right? He's on... What is he on? Felucia? No, he's on Seleucami. Uh, Cut Laquane is on, on Seleucami. He's that clone that deserts in Season 2 that we see Rex and, you know, Rex gets shot and then he mm-hmm. stays He stays with their family. So, obviously, you know, he is somewhat removed from the war. He lives on, like, farmland. Um, And in order for Order 66 to happen, it actually is Palpatine that contacts all these clones via, you know, hollow message saying, execute Order 66. And at that point, the clones snap and then they do their thing. So what does this mean for clones that did not necessarily have Imperial or Republic, you know, transmitters? That is such a good question, because even when I was re-watching the season finale of The Clone Wars Season 7, when Rex receives the order, he has a little hologram, and then you hear while he's, like, slowly, like, turning to Ahsoka and realizing, you kind of hear them all in their helmets get a message. Like, you don't hear Execute Order 66 repeated again, but it's all individually being transmitted into their helmets. That's what I perceived that moment as, because you can hear kind of like static in their helmets as they all turn around like a few moments after Rex receives his order. So that's a really good question. Does it does it take that, the actual hearing of the order in order to cause them to snap? And and if if it doesn't, if it's just an activation like a button that Palpatine can press and activate the chip, you know, f- galaxy wide, then there's another question where these clones who have deserted do, I mean, it's not like they'll turn against their family because it's just a direct order to turn against the Jedi. So if you've already turned against the idea of the war and the idea of the Jedi, 
maybe there's like a switch in their line of thinking when they think back on their decision. Like they'll think about the war in a different way. Like they'll think of the Jedi as the enemy. But I wonder if they would still have the capability of the choice to stay deserted, to stay home with their family. I wonder if that would override because we saw how powerful the relationship between Rex and Ahsoka allowed him to have a little bit of agency, even if it was only for a couple of moments, to get that final message out, being like, find fives, find him. And then he stopped, he, he like was shaking and trying so hard not to shoot her for just the briefest moment. So I wonder if the love of your family would also allow you to do something similar. Yeah, I mean, I... The way I took it after watching episode three was like, okay, you have to get a message from Palpatine in order for it to go because it pops up at different moments, right? Right. Because he says to Cody, Commander Cody, the time has come, execute order 66. But then he says it to Gree and he says it to, you know, um, Bly and, well, actually, you know what? It's interesting now that I'm thinking through this, Bly didn't actually have a a message. He didn't actually have like a physical image of Palpatine, and neither did Bakara, who shot down Kiati Mundi. They were just running, right? They were running mm-hmm. on Megiddo, and they stopped, and they yeah. shot him. That's what makes me wonder if it's because I I I wonder if that little buzzing sound that I heard in the end of the Clone Wars is also the message just being transmitted into their helmets because I hadn't heard it before when I was paying like just the most closest of attention for this podcast, literally had like my, my face in the screen trying to hear <laughs> everything. And I heard this buzzing and maybe I'm crazy. That's always a possibility. But I, I just got the feeling that it was also being transmitted in their helmets. So that would be a really interesting bit of like extra knowledge to get one yeah. of these days. Somebody text Dave Filoni or Pablo Hidalgo. Send him a tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Order 66 is constantly something that I... Obviously, it's a really sad moment, but, you know, it's a galaxy at war, and sometimes sad things happen, and and uh, it, was a, it was a major turning point for the story of Star Wars, 100%. And I feel like... A lot of people, you know, you can even say something to, uh, it's, it's so wide known, you can say something to Alexa, like, Alexa, execute order 66, and she'll be like, yes, my lord, you know, like, like even Alexa <laughs> knows what that is. Right. And, like, I don't know how many times you've been to, like, a fast food place and tried to get, like, order number 66, you know, like, I feel like everyone tries to do that. To be, right. to be honest, for me, like if I saw someone had Order 64, I'd like wait two more people to go in front of me. <laughs> to so try could... to get Order <laughs> yeah. 66. <laughs> yeah. So. That's so funny. Now, we touched a little bit on Clone Wars, but due to the fact that it was the most recent sort of Order 66 moment that we got, um, and, you know, I don't, I really don't feel like. I did not feel like we were going to get all the way through episode three like we did, but there's, you know, merchandise out there now, right? Like even her universe has, don't they have like a Order 66 shirt or something? We do. It's a big, dark, scary hoodie. It says it in large letters across the back, like it would say like Florida 2016. <laughs> <laughs> That's Order 66. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Sort of gives off the same vibes there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this, I mean, it really, 
it really made me think not only like because Ahsoka says all the time, you know, she's not a Jedi. We see her say that in Rebels, and she had left the Order. Obviously, the clones don't turn on just anybody who's Force-sensitive. But what what's the reasoning that they turn on Ahsoka? Just because she's out to do good, and, and she's, you know, still... I guess she's not really Anakin's Padawan. But, like, it's just kind of interesting to I- me that she was turned on, you know? That's true. I wonder, though, if it had to do with kind of the, like, I don't know if, I wonder if Palpatine even took her into account, you know? Yeah. Or if he even took, like, the deserters and and things like that into account even when it comes to to a Jedi. Um, I think the fact that she was there and she is a Force user that was in command and fighting in the war... I think that just put her in the position to fall under execute under order 66. Yeah, man, it's, it's a rough one, you know, and I think they do a fantastic job showing us these little tidbits of order 66 throughout different forms of media, whether it be books or shows or movies. And to be honest, I, I really like watching Yoda do that backflip on Kashyyyk, you know, because they they showed that at a at Celebration three, and Celebration three was a couple weeks before Episode three came out, and it was gearing everybody up, and they had this big special room where like they it was it was basically just the bass like sounds. There was like music in the background with with this big bass booming, and I don't think we actually heard any dialogue or anything like that. But as the music went on. And they showed us a couple teaser shots from the film. They did show us Yoda doing that backflip and decapitating the clones. And that just get I mean, even now I'm getting goosebumps thinking about that because, I don't know, it was just a powerful moment, you know? Seeing the clones turn on the Jedi and the Jedi have to kill their own teammates and their own squads. It's just, it's, it really sucks. Oh, and the other thing I was going to say too is like, as a kid... I remember when episode two toys were coming out and we first got the introduction of the clones and I hadn't seen the movie yet and my friend did and I was waiting for my 12th birthday to go see it and which is why I didn't see it like the first day I wanted to have like a whole group of people to go on my birthday and um, I had I had got a clone as a birthday gift like earlier that day or something like that, my friend's like, no, no, they're bad guys. And I was like, what? I thought they'd be good guys, you know? I thought they would be like, um, or no, I thought they were bad guys because, yeah, I thought they were bad guys because I thought they were stormtroopers, you know? Oh, yep. And he's like, no, they're good guys. I'm like, what? I have to, like, switch them to be on the same team as the Jedi, and now it all makes sense, you know? Just playing everything all wrong. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I always, going back to that Yoda moment, though, I love all the, like, memes and everything that have come out um, since uh, the Clone Wars season finale, where people are like, Yoda, you know, his initial reaction, everyone else's initial reaction was just to start cutting the clones down, and then there's Ahsoka that's like, I will not kill a single (laughs) one of you if I don't have to. Yep. It's like, everybody else is just like, you all are just need to die now <laughs> well some of them i mean yeah some of them I like mean, 
if there's nothing they can do. There's a certain point when you just, you've got to get yourself out of there. And, and not everybody had the situation like Ahsoka had where she's in a contained environment on a single ship, you yeah. know, some people, she's with, with one, um, like a small portion of the 501st. She doesn't even have a full battalion with her. So there's not much you can do when you have a full battalion of clones against you. Yep. It's interesting too. Obviously, you know, legends are are legends. But if you think back to the Force Unleashed game, we had General Rom Coda, who did not trust clones, and so he created his own sort of militia with just regular people um, that he kind of wanted as his troops. And so that's why he survived Order sixty six because he did not have clones at that time. Which is kind of interesting. Any final thoughts on Order 66? It's just the sad... It's probably like one of the saddest things. I don't know if I can rank it. Do I find it worse than the whole Anakin Padme horrifying tragedy of a betrayal of love? I don't know. I think the clones are sadder. I think the whole clone thing, especially after seeing the end of the Clone Wars, it's probably just the saddest, most heart-wrenching part of Star Wars to watch all these characters that we grew to love and grew to learn all their individual quirks and individual personalities, even though they're all supposed to just be one person, one clone army, and then they get that all ripped away from them. And they gave us seven seasons to love them, and then... (laughs) Yeah. It could have been fine. We could have just been like, whatever, Cody. Who cares? Cody and Rex. Like, we didn't know that many of their names. Gree. Like, and then they gave us Clone Wars. And then they gave us tragedy. <laughs> yeah. And just kind of piggybacking off of that, you know, the Clone Wars really do. It's the Clone Wars. It really focuses yeah. on the clones and their interaction with the Jedi and their interaction with the galaxy. And even the way that, like, Krell treated the clones obviously it makes you feel for them you know it really makes right. you feel bad for the clones and then they're just like turning on these Jedi you know can you imagine if Anakin was on Umbara at the same time as Krell and saw Krell doing like treating Rex that way like that would not have gone over well you know like yeah. Anakin really cared for his clones and I get that Anakin's a little bit different like he's got the attachments and he's got all that stuff but I mean we saw Plo Koon do it, too. Like, he would assure his clones on, I think, multiple occasions. Like, you are not expendable to me. Like, yeah. he wasn't... Anakin wasn't the only one that felt that way. Yeah, I think in season one, when they get... Uh, when Plo Koon, Plo Koon and the wolf pack get, like, blasted by the Malevolence's ion cannon or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, and they're stuck outside in the little the little escape pod. He says something like, I value your life more than destroying that mystery weapon or something like that, or more than finding it or something to that extent, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and obviously the Ahsoka, you know, not even killing the clones after Order 66 was executed, I mean, shows how much she really valued their life. So it really is a sad thing. It really is. But at least some of our favorites, like Rex and, and Wolf and, and Gregor, even though Gregor's a little little nutty. Um, That's a situation that would make anybody a little nutty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just glad we got some of them back. So, you know, it, it's it's not... 
I guess it's a little surprising to me because I've always been like a Jedi guy. Like I like the bounty hunters and the Jedi and stuff. But working at a collector store, there are a ton, and I mean a ton, of people who love the troopers. You know, the clone troopers of of all kinds. Those are one of the first and foremost the the figures that we sell out of the most, which is kind of crazy to me. If you think about it, they're kind of like those little blind boxes where, like, <laughs> it's, like, the same thing, but they just change them up a little bit and you can just collect them all. I feel like it, like, gets that, like, collector gene in people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's Black Series of Rex and Cody and Fox and Gree and Bly. Um, like, people just love those clones. They love the clone figures, and we can't even keep them in stock. I don't think we have any Black Series clones in stock right now, or even Vintage Collection clones. They're just gone. That's crazy. So, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening to Jesse and I discuss Order 66. Uh, we'll be back again next week with another interesting topic. Uh, but, Jesse, before we go, why don't you tell people where they can find us on social media? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, all under the same handle, at Twin Sons Outpost. All right, and if you're looking for places to listen to our show, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side. You'll find all of our episodes there. You can also find us on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google Play Store and on iTunes. And if you enjoyed this episode and you think we're pretty wizard, go ahead and give us a, re- a good review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to episode 175. We'll see you next week. And as always, may the force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always. Airmaster, Tatooine. It's controlled by the Hut. Rendezvous point on Halloween. This time you are not a familiar king.